My name's David Payne. I'm the pastor here, and we're, uh, we're glad that able to have you join us this morning, especially if you're visiting for the first time. Uh, we hope not only did you feel welcomed when you came in and uh, get uh, have your hand shook by some, some friendly folks, uh, that's important, and that's a, something we work on hard here, but uh, more importantly, we hope that uh, during your time here, you sense God's presence and uh, leave here uh, having a better idea of His love for you and uh, how He wants to involve us in His plan in the world. And so uh, we're really happy to, to have you here. Got a few announcements for you just before I get into the, uh, the service. Number one, uh, that sheet, uh, you, you should have got one as you came in that has the activities. Make sure you read through those. We got stuff for all ages. Uh, we, uh, worship is not, the, is not enough to sustain a, a, a Christian life. If you only show up on Sunday, you're missing out on, on what the body of Christ has to offer for you. And we've tried to come up with some ways to give you ways to get plugged in and connected. And we hope you'll take advantage of that. Youth group's kicking off tonight. Uh, hope you'll, uh, those of you that are that age, I hope you'll uh, show up for that. Also, we have some guests this morning. Just want to take a moment to, to recognize uh, we, we have several missions and uh, uh, outreach things that we support. One of those, uh, last, uh, a year ago, we had uh, Ken Wells come and speak to us, uh, who does church planning in uh, Italy. And uh, last time it was just Ken. This time he is here with his family. And if you all wouldn't mind standing for us, uh, they're visiting this morning. And... And uh, I know after the service, if you'd like to touch with them, they, uh, they appreciate uh, your prayers and your support. And uh, uh, it's just a part of how this church joins and, and extends our reach uh, beyond these walls. And so uh, thank you for all being here and um, enjoy your, your time of vacation and stuff, even though it's the whole family. I know that's sometimes stress too. But <laughs> But that may just be my family. So, <laughs> we uh, we have been over the last few weeks. We have been taking uh, really sort of an unflattering look at ourselves, not just as a congregation, but as church universal, of what what church has become and what it was meant to be. And what we've been reminding ourselves is, is we have distorted God's original intent. We have taken his vehicle through which salvation was going to be offered, through which hope was, was proclaimed, through which grace was going to be shared and demonstrated, and turned it into a shopping mall for selfishness. We turned it into something that, that we, is, we give far from our greatest effort to just a passing wave every once in a while. And even in our tired commitment, even in the little we give, we still have the nerve to pat ourselves on the back and think that we are pretty well off. And so over the last few weeks, we've been talking, hey, is this what it is about? Is it about buildings? Is it about programs? Is it about a country club? Is it about pointing a finger and judging other people? Is that what God intended to do with the church? And, and I think you have to, I think it, the answer is obvious. No, there was plenty of human institutions that did those things before, before the church came around. 
We didn't need any help being judgmental. We didn't need any help being cliquish. We didn't need any help being selfish. So why would, why would God institute the church? And that's what we've been trying to think about and remind ourselves about. And we're going to, we're shifting gears. Uh, this is sort of a, a prelude, 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 prelude of where we're heading. And uh, get used to what we're going to be talking about because we're going to pound it into your heads. Because we have gotten, for so many years, we have, we have been taught the wrong ideas about church that it's going to take a long time to get that out and replace it with, with good information. So that's what we're, we're going to be doing. And what I've called the sermon this morning is uh, the original idea. What is it that God wanted to do with the church? And before I get into the scripture, I, I just, I, I have a, I have, this is audience participation. The early group stunk at it, so maybe you guys can be better at it. But uh, I need you to, if nothing, I need you to leave with this thought in mind. The church is not a building or a place. It's a who. And that who is you. And so, and I don't think you is quite specific enough because as good church people, you've learned how to deflect responsibility. And so if we say it's you, we'll take it as the collective you and someone else will cover it for me because who knows who you is. And so throughout the service, whenever I say, who is the church? Your answer is going to be me. So who is the church? Me. The reason we've got to remember this is because this is one of our problems. We turn church into an institution. We turn it into a noun instead of it being a verb. The church was supposed to be the hands and feet of God, the people of God who had been touched and transformed, filled with His Spirit, filled with His power, that go out in the world to share what they have. To rely not on their own power and strength and charisma, but to take the transformational power of God, the thing that He has done in and through them, and then share it with the world. Church is not a noun, it's a verb. It's us going out in action. But we've turned it into a building, a place, a destination, a club, a like and a dislike, a denomination. I mean, there's so many things we've done with it. We, we've turned it into somebody we can throw responsibility on. We all like to think that we, we're loving and kind, and so what's better than when we get to say, hey, our church will take care of that. But the church is not a place or a staff. Or, the church is... Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> Do any of you have lunch plans? Because we're going to stay here till this is clear. So just, okay. The church is not the staff. The church is me. me. And I want you to, we're going to keep saying this. And the next time you call me and you say, hey, you know what? There's something going on in the neighborhood. The church needs to do something about that. I'm going to say, yeah, who is the church? Me. Uh... <laughs> All right. I got a lot to talk about, so we're going to move. Uh, Romans chapter 12. And before you put that up, let me just give you a, a, a quick introduction. 
Romans, my favorite, my, my favorite book in the New Testament. It, it, I just like the way Paul organizes it. I like the flow of it. It goes from the beginning in chapter one of how, who we were and how we were separated from God. And then it just works its way through how he reached out to us where we were, how he provided for our sin and paid the price for that, how through his spirit, through his power that we can overcome sin. And then we get to chapter eight, where it talks about the spirit of God that invades us and fills us and allows us to be more than just who we were before, that we can actually have God's power living within us and that there's nothing that can ever separate us from God's love and his power. The only, nothing in the world can get in the way of that. And then it, and it builds this, this crescendo. And then we get to chapter 12, and, and it changes from what God did for us to keeping in mind what God did for us, what we are called to do for the world. It's a transition from recognizing, remembering, knowing God's done some great things for us. Therefore, we need to be in ministry to the world. That's, that's the setting. Chapter 12. God, with all these things that he's done, with all the love he's thrown out on us, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Measure yourselves by the faith that God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to one another. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophecy, then speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, then serve them well. If you're a teacher, then teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, then give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, then take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, then do it gladly. Do not just pretend to love others, but really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good, love each other with genuine affection, and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them, and always be eager to practice hospitality. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Thanks be to God. There's a big bunch of stuff there, isn't there? And there is no way I'm going to be able to hit on that all this morning. As I said, this is an intro into where we're going. This is the basis of what we are going to be doing this fall and, and moving into next year. This is the original idea of what God's people would look like. This is what he was talking about. 
Those are the characteristics of what a church, a Christian church, a kingdom of God church, that's, that's the characteristics they will hold. That's the picture, not the thing that we've made it. And so we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about that this morning, and then we'll continue our discussion over the, the coming weeks. What it starts with, it, it, says, it starts with the therefore. And so, brothers and sisters, in light of what God has done for you, let us offer ourselves as a holy and living sacrifice. I just want to start with this idea. In light of what God has done for you, do you understand what God has done for you? In light of what he has done for you, we are called, we are spurned on to to, to respond. To respond. He says, let your lives be a holy and living sacrifice. See, part of the problem is over the years, we have turned church into a duty, into a chore. That's why we feel so proud of ourselves if we are able to manage our, to, to get our butts up and get here in the morning. Because no one likes to do chores. And so if we, if we are able to do that, then... <laughs> Certainly God loves me more than those other people that didn't, right? The problem is, that's wrong thinking. We start to think that God's going to love us more based on what we do, but the fact of the matter is God cannot possibly love you any more than he already does. He loves you with everything he has. Exactly where you are, who you are, and he loves you enough that he will take you from who you are, where you are, and take you to where he wants you to be and who you could be through him. He cannot possibly love you anymore. So our actions, our response has nothing to do with making God love us. What Paul says, what the, what the other scriptures share with us, is out of a gratitude for what God has done for us, the only response we have, the only gift we can give back for an amazing, undeserved gift, a priceless gift, the only thing of value we have to offer back is a life of gratitude. In Hebrews, it says, without faith, we cannot please God. And faith is belief, obedience, and action combined together. Without faith, we can't please God. The thing of value we have to give back to him is ourselves. It's not to make him love us more. He already loves us. It's so we can say thank you. Because if we just take advantage of this gift without it costing that, we've cheapened the sacrifice he made on our behalf. Can you imagine making a lifetime sacrifice and then just have somebody write it off of, oh, big deal. How hurtful that would be that we do that every day with our lives to God. Let your lives be a holy and living sacrifice, he says. Wow, that would, that's so beyond what church is for us. Church is for us, for our, our country, our church is... Help me not to have to suffer more than 45 minutes before I get to Luby's. <laughs> Our angels out here, I'll, I'll relativize it to spice. <laughs> you know? 
We, we have no idea what sacrifice is about. But he says, let, let your life be a sacrifice. That's what church is about. We are, we're the church. We are the hands and feet of God. How is the world? I believe the church is the hope of the world. The church is the way God said, I am going to transform. I'm going to bring salvation. I'm going to bring hope. I'm going to bring peace. I'm going to bring grace. The church is the way we do that. It's not that God needs you. He can find someone. He'll, he'll keep looking until there's someone will respond. The question is, why wouldn't you want to participate in the greatest thing that goes on in the world? with an invitation from the Almighty to be a part of the most amazing, profound, eternal thing ever, why would you want to pass on the opportunity to be a part of that? Well, if we're honest, it's because we're lazy. You know, we, we, just don't, we just don't want to. Okay, I'm going to move on from that. I, I, I'm going to give you a couple of word pictures this morning to, to represent. Uh, what I think the church is supposed to look like. And the first one I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use appeals to the guys and the few women in here. We're going to use a football analogy, all right? Okay, just got to keep your attention for a little while. I see a couple of you dripping off. So football, Brett Favre, okay. Colt McCoy, whoo, okay, you got, I got your attention now. I saw eyes flap open, whoo. So football. We, <laughs> we're, we're, as we went through that passage, Paul gets into the church and he says, hey, everybody's got a gift. We're all a part of a team. Everybody's got a gift. We need everybody participating in the church. Whatever your gift is, whatever your talent is, whatever it is you have to offer, we need you to offer it for God. Because without it, we're, we're hurt. And football's a great way to look at this. I don't care if you are Colt McCoy or Sam Bradford for you Oklahoma people. There you go, Randy. Thank you. Shout out for you. It doesn't matter if you are the most amazing quarterback ever. If you don't have some, some guys blocking for you and running a play and somebody that can catch the ball, you are not going anywhere. If you got a question about that, talk to the Houston Texans. They've proved that year after year. You can buy the best quarterback, but if you don't have a line to block for them, they're not going anywhere. And you, part of what has happened in the church is we, we have this mentality that, it, that the stars are in, 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 uh, the, the ones in charge of the church. The ones who get the, the, the stage time and the music and that and this and that and, and the rest of us. Uh, and, and it's just because this crazy, wacko Christian humility of, I'm not sure I know my gift. That's just your nice Christian way of saying, I'm lazy and I don't want to do anything. We, we need all hands on deck. If, if, you, if a football team doesn't execute their play, maybe that big offensive lineman could not catch a pass to, to save his life, but if he doesn't block on the play, the pass isn't going to happen. It depends on each and every person getting together, working towards one goal, moving towards one place, working together, all with different things they bring to the table, all with different assignments and, and, and ways that they go about it. But the, the result is success. It takes a group effort. 
to have, it takes an individual effort to have group success. That's actually a Vince Lombardi quote. Individual commitment to a group effort, that is what it takes to make a team work, a company work, a society work, a civilization work. Individual effort. This is one of the places we have let church fall away. That's why I want you to personalize it, that the church is not a place, the church is me. Good. All right. The church is me. Because we have become so conditioned to saying, the church needs to. Why doesn't the church do this? Why won't they do that? Well, that's a great question because who is the church? Yeah. Why aren't we doing those things? We, 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 want our, we want our quarterback to do it all. We, we want our wide receivers to do it all. We want our, our star linebacker to do it all. We, but the problem is those guys can't do anything if they don't have a team alongside of them. When, we, when you join the church, what do we ask you to do? We first ask you to, to say your willingness to, to seek after that, that great commandment that Jesus gave. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. But then participate in the church with your prayers, presence, gifts, and service. And for a lot of us, we, we sort of thought that was like either or. Like I get to pick one of those. Like if I show up on Sunday, then I don't have to do the other ones. Or if I put some money in the plate, then I don't have to. I mean, we, we have other. No, it's all four of those. We need your prayers, your presence, your gifts, and your service. You say, why? Just last week, you talked about the church isn't a place. It's us. Well, guess what? If we're going to use the football analogy, this is the huddle. This is where we get together and we get our play right. This is where we remind ourselves of what we're, what we're fighting for. This is where we remind ourselves that it's tough out there and you're going to get the snot knocked out of you and there's going to be things that don't go right and you're going to get discouraged and you're tired and your knees hurt and your back hurts. But can you put out the effort because we're right beside you? That's what this is about. This is what prepares us to go do good work out there. We need it. And this doesn't work unless all of us are sharing the things that we have with one another. We need the effort here to be able to have a ministry that we support in Italy. The things we do in Guatemala don't mean anything if we don't have the church here. We, this is the home base. This is, this is the huddle. We need that. The other picture I want to give you. Remember on 9-11, the image blazed in our memory. As the fires are burning and people are panicking and rushing out. What was the image we all saw? That while people were rushing in, out, there was a group going the other way. That despite the danger, despite the the hardship, despite the fear. There was something that needed to be done and there was a group called to go upstream. I think that is a picture of what the church is supposed to be. We are to be those heroes that whenever people want to have nothing to do with a situation, we're the ones called to 
to go upstream. I, I think Jesus sort of, not sort of, Jesus demonstrated this for us. The people that everyone else wanted to turn their backs on and run away from were the ones that he sidled up next to. The situations, the, the, the societal pressures, the, all the places that the majority of the world was saying no way is exactly where he was. Now let me bring this home to you a little closer. We all wish we could do something to help somebody. Even if you're the most crass person, deep down you want to help somebody, but we don't know how. Because we're unprepared. And when we see somebody going through a hard time, and trust me, we don't have to go far to find tragedy. It's right here. It, it, it's broken relationships. It's failing health. It's financial situations. You, we don't have to go far to find it. And when we find somebody or we see somebody that's faced with those things, we don't want to go in. It's like a, it's like a building coming down and we just want to get out and be safe. Number one, because we haven't dealt with our own mortality. We don't know how to deal with it. We don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. We don't know how to fix it. And so we just flee. We just flee. And there are a lot of you in here this morning that that's the experience you've had of church. Even in this church. That in your time of need, people fl fled. We've been trying to be honest about who we are. But part of recognizing where you are is setting a goal of where you want to go. And on that sheet that we passed out, one of the new ministries that is a part of what we're going to be doing is Stephen Ministry. And uh, Gene Walker, where are you? Stand up for us. Thank you. I told her I was going to make her twirl, but I'm not. So. <laughs> Gene and Carol Ray, who was in our earlier service, are heading up this program, Stephen Ministry. It's in a lot of churches around. But what it is, it's a ministry designed to walk alongside people in the midst of struggle. To walk alongside people in the midst of struggle. It's, and in order to allow you to know what that is a little more, I got a little video that we're going to show that will help you understand that. It's the date when I discovered our 18-year-old son, Denny, had died in his sleep. My world was turned upside down. Me and my, my whole family struggled for years to find a, a new normal. To be honest, my life was a mess as I struggled with my anger toward God and my feelings of total despair. People would often come to me and ask me uh, how my wife Beulah and Andy were doing. And I wondered when someone would come and ask how I was doing. And then one day it happened. Ed Downs came to me and said, Dennis, I want to meet you at Jumpin' Catfish. And so we met there, and after we had ordered our food, he turned, looked me straight in the eye, and he said, now, Dennis, I want to know how you're doing. 
You know, I can still remember the kindness in his eyes when he showed a sincere interest in me and what I was going through. And across the years, I've come to realize how important it is to have someone to journey with us when we go through the valleys, the tough times. And as pastors here at the church, we have people coming in nearly every day with stories that can break your heart. People who have just received the diagnosis of cancer, stories of unemployment, sadness because a loved one has died. We hear stories of divorce and we see the pain on the faces of those who've been rejected by someone who once loved them. Well, the list goes on and on. And sometimes as pastors, we feel like firemen just running from one fire to another. To be honest, we need help with dealing with some of the tough things that life throws at us. However, I, I often hear people say, I want to help, but I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Uh, we have a wonderful ministry here at the church called the Stephen Ministry. And in this ministry, uh, Stephen Ministry is matched up one-to-one, -one, a man with a man, a woman with a woman, and the Stephen minister is given 50 hours of training and then we commission them and then we assign them to one of these hurting people. And you meet with them uh, at least an hour a week. We provide excellent training so that you know how to be a good listener and you know how to deal with the grief of the person that you're with. You learn what to say and what not to say. Stephen ministers are not therapists, but they know how to be fully present with people in a confidential way. Across the years, I've noticed that those people who have gone through the hard places, they're the ones who are best able to help those who are going through them now. So if you've been wounded by some of the tragedies of life, I hope that you will consider taking this training so that you too can be a part of this Stephen's ministry team and that you too can become a wounded healer. I encourage you to stop by the table, pick up that packet, talk to one of our Stephen ministers, and then pray about this matter. This may be just the ministry that you've been looking for. If you're interested in that, Gene would talk to you, Carol Ray would talk to you. We've got it on our website. All the information about it is there, the applications for that. I just want to, I want to touch on a couple things he, he talked about. You don't know what to do? Well, here's an opportunity to learn. Give you some tools of how to deal with people in hurt. Number two, if you're one of those people that's been hurt, why not turn your tragedy into a victory? And one of the ways God does that is when you can turn your tragedy into something that helps others. Maybe your, your situation, your experience, Maybe that is the gift that you have to offer, that you can relate to somebody going through a problem that no one else can in a way that's going to be powerful and effective. Just want you to, to consider that, that the training will start this fall. They're doing applications now. It's going to be a great program for our church. But did you notice who was speaking there about having a problem? A pastor, oh man, did you know that we had problems too? Yeah. 
we're just normal people too. We deal with life's battles just like you do too. We, we need this in our, in our church. But it's not going to be a fix-it program. It's not going to be, hey, we know about this problem. Take care of their problem. No, this is a program where we walk alongside someone in the time of need. Where we walk alongside someone in their time of need. With training and encouragement, we give you the tools to be able to be a holy presence in a time of tragedy. I think it's going to be a neat thing. And you know what? You don't have to... That's the official program, but every one of us can do that in our lives right now. I'm going to give you an action point. Because here's what we do in sermons. We have this, and you're feeling all warm and bubbly now, and you're going to leave, think, oh, and then by the time you get to your car, it's gone. you got good intentions, but it's gone. So I'm going to give you... You know, I'd like to think you memorize everything I say and meditate on it throughout the week and all that. I know, it's gone. Other than the mistakes I made, and then you'll chew on those all through lunch. You know what? We talked about that huddle. I hear a lot of people say, how, I don't know what's going on. I don't know the people. I don't know how to find out about the need. You know why? Because you're not involved. You're not involved. This is a, this is a body. If you want to be a part of what we're doing, you have to be involved. Prayers, presence, gifts, and service, remember? If, there, if there's a player in the huddle that doesn't know what they, he'll screw up the whole play. Well, we're not worried about you screwing up everything we do, but you're screwing up yourself because you're lost. You don't know what you're doing. Here's two things I would suggest to you. Number one, send an email to the church. Tell them you want to know what's going on on the prayer chain list. I know in some churches, prayer chain and gossip column are pretty much interchangeable. We try desperately not to use it for that. It's not so you know everybody's business. It's so you can be prayerfully aware and make connections to people when they're in time of trouble. So that's one thing. And then number two, prepare yourself. Do your own form of training. Find one of those Bible studies that's going on this fall and get yourself involved. Start some kind of personal devotional time where you read your scriptures. Increase your prayer time. Find a connection point in here where you get to share with people. You know the reason I know why some of the situation going on? It's because I have connections and so they will tell me. And the different Bible studies, we share those. And the prayer requests, we share those. That's how you know. Take some personal responsibility. I know you want to do good. It's just we keep putting it off. i got one more quote for you, and then we'll close. There are fine things which you mean to do someday under what you think would be more favorable circumstances, but the only time that is surely yours is the present. Hence, this is the time to speak the word of appreciation and sympathy, to do the generous deed, to forgive the fault of a thoughtless friend, to sacrifice self a little more for others. Today is the day in which to express your noblest qualities of mind and heart, to do at least one worthy thing which you have long postponed, and to use your God-given abilities for the enrichment of someone less fortunate. Today, you can make your life significant and worthwhile. The present is yours to do with as you will. Today is the day. You don't have to wait until the kids get out of school. 
There's a world that hurts now. You're not only on the hook while your kids are in school to help in the nursery. Those kids need love whenever. There's no, there's, there's no beginning age. There's no retirement age. We need you wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever you are. The thing that's in you is something that is necessary to this body. There is someone who needs a gift that only you can share. And today is the day that you have to offer it. Why don't you bow with me? Let's pray. God, before we go any further, and as our heads are bowed, I know that even in this room, right now, we have folks that are overwhelmed by life circumstances right now. And if we could see the way they feel inside, they're gasping for air. It feels like the water is rising above their head, like they can never, ever catch footing, and it just keeps coming after them, wave after wave after a wave. God, most of all, for those folks this morning, would you please minister your peace? Somehow, God, would you reach out and allow them to know that you're there. Allow them to know that there's hope. God, for all of us, we, we want to be your place. We want to be your church. We want to be your body. We just keep putting it off. We keep finding rationalization. We keep giving ourselves permission to be mediocre. But, Lord, we need your passion. We need your spirit to light a fire within our hearts. God, let us not pass the buck. Let us find the way that we can respond to the need we see around us. Help us to have eyes and ears that search and listen for people that we can stand alongside. We rely on your grace. We rely on your power. You're the one that does the miraculous things. We don't have the answers, but God, we can be, we can be the voice of encouragement. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to close our service this morning uh, by singing a, a hymn. It's called uh, Here I Am, Lord. And uh, uh, the chorus is, Here I Am, Lord. I want to do your, your work. Here I am. Uh, if you don't have a problem lying in church, sing away no matter how you feel. If you want to make it a hymn, a commitment. If you want to make today the day that you respond, then allow those words to have special meaning for you. We're going to, uh, uh, I just want to make an invitation. If there's anyone looking for a church family, you want a place to huddle with us? You want a place to get that encouragement, to be a part of what we're trying to do, be a part of what God's trying to do through this area and, and around the world? We would love for you to be a part of it. There's two things, like I said, that we talk about the, the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then the commitment to the church, which is your prayers, your presence, your gifts, 
in your service. If you want to make that commitment this morning, come on up. We'll welcome you in. If you want to talk to me or Emily about that, share a little bit about that before you make that decision, we'd be happy to do that as well. But that invitation is always open to you. Why don't you stand with us? Let's uh, close our, our service by singing this, this hymn.